G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Can you name the Ten Commandments? Does it matter? Why do we have to know them? It's not like they're written in stone. Well, then again, today Pastor Greg Laurie invites us to learn the Ten Commandments and to learn them well. I suggest you can memorize all of these commandments, but we need to do more than memorize the commandments. We need to internalize the commandments because they're not obsolete, they're absolute. And if you keep these commandments, you will be a happy person. This is the day when the lost are found. could name our 10 favourite movies or 10 favourite actors, 10 favourite songs or 10 favourite things to eat. But what about God's top 10 instructions carved on stone tablets and hand-delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai? On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to dig into those instructions as we return to his series called Water, Fire, Stone, an enlightening study of the life of Moses. Some good encouragement is coming your way today. That is something that seems to be in short supply in this day and age. I read a headline from a news site the other day that says, quote, Americans are the unhappiest they have been in 50 years. 14% of Americans say they are very unhappy, down from 31% who said they were happy in 2018. This is because of the impact of the coronavirus and the stay-at-home orders and all the other problems that have come as a result of it. And people are feeling isolated, lonely, uncertain about their future, and in some cases, hopeless. Some are even finding themselves entertaining suicidal thoughts. Tragically, some have even given in to them. So I wanna speak to you right now. Anyone who has ever felt as though your life does not matter No one would miss you if you're gone. Let me say this to you. You could not be more wrong. You are loved by God. You are loved by so many people, more than you realize. And your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. You have a place. And we need you. So I want you to hang on. You know, sometimes when you're young, life can seem so unfair and life can seem so hard, and you wonder, how am I gonna get through it? And look, this is one of the few advantages of age. If I could trade, I'd rather be young again, but sometimes I feel like I'm a young person trapped in an old person's body. But let me just say this. Uh, If you're young and you're facing some crisis right now, no matter how bad it is, you're going to get through it. 
whatever you're going through, it's going to pass ultimately. Uh, this too shall pass. Now, honestly, it may pass like a, a kidney stone through your system, but it is going to pass, and you are going to get through it. And listen to this. God can take all of the hurt and the pain that you have experienced in life and ultimately use it to touch other people and make you the man or the woman that He wants you to be. I'm not speaking from a vacuum. I was not raised in a Christian home. I didn't have a Christian mom and dad that tucked me into bed at night and read me Bible stories. I lived the opposite of that life. I think most of you know my story. Raised by an alcoholic mother, married and divorced seven times, being drugged all around the country, a very crazy, tumultuous childhood. And it was hard and it was difficult. But when I came to faith in Christ, it changed the course of my life. And now I feel like I can take the pain and the hardship I've been through and help other people. It's been said, if you preach to hurting people, you will never lack for an audience. I know I'm talking to some hurting people right now. We all could use some hope. A famous cardiologist wrote in his autobiography, and I quote, Hope is the medicine I use more than any other. Hope can cure nearly anything, end quote. Could you use some of that medicine right now? Could you use some hope? You want to talk about having a hopeless future. I can't think of anyone who faced a more bleak scenario than little baby Moses. Moses was chosen by God to save a nation. But before that was going to happen, Moses was a baby whose life was in danger. You remember the story that the Pharaoh of Egypt had given a decree that all the Jewish baby boys should be put to death, and Moses was included in that number. But his parents uh, did not obey that ruling of the Pharaoh, obviously, and they put him in a, a little basket and sent him cruising down the Nile River, and he was discovered by none other than the daughter of the Pharaoh, and he was taken into the home of the Pharaoh as a son, and some believe he was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. So God saved his life, and before we get further in the story and what God used him to do, just keep this in mind. It was a hopeless situation that was turned around by God. Moses is an interesting character for sure. He was both a lawgiver and he was a law breaker. He was born in poverty, but he was raised in a palace and the wilderness became his home. At times he could be impulsive, impatient, and explosive. And at other times he could be unbelievably patient and persistent and faithful to what the Lord called him to do. Moses was both idolized and criticized, yet he remained humble and forgiving. How did this man do what he did? Can we tap into some secrets of this great man of God and learn how to face our own difficulties? And I believe the answer is yes. Okay, so we're in a series that we're simply calling Water, Fire, Stone. It's called Water because God saved baby Moses from the Nile River and preserved his life. As I already pointed out, he was taken into the home of Pharaoh. Had he played his cards right, he could have become a very powerful man. But the reality is Moses was Jewish and he saw how his fellow Jews were being mistreated by the Egyptians 
And uh, so one day he took matters into his own hands and he saw an Egyptian uh, taskmaster cruelly treating a Jewish slave, beating him. So Moses, the Bible says, looked to the right and he looked to the left and he killed the Egyptian. He should have looked up. The Lord would have said, don't do that. Then he buried him in the sand. By the way, if you're going to kill someone, don't bury them in the sand because the sand moves a lot and it was quickly discovered. And the Pharaoh said, Moses is going to die. That brings us to section number two of this series, fire, water, fire, stone. Fire because it was at a burning bush that God recommissioned Moses. God used Moses to bring the Israelites out of the bondage of Pharaoh into a land of promise. So that brings us to the third section, stone. Stone represents that section that we're in now where God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments written on a tablet of stone. You know, it's a funny thing. We run around with our tablets today. Uh, we read our emails on them and we follow social media on them. We watch movies on them. They're so much a part of our life. Well, God had the original tablets and they weren't made by Apple or Android. They were given by God and they were engraved with His words by His very finger. We call it the Ten Commandments. And I want to look at those together with you. Barely 300 words long in English, the Ten Commandments form the foundation of the legal system and they are at the heart of Western civilization. Someone summed up the Ten Commandments this way and I quote, the reason we have 17,000 pages in our law books in America is because we're unable to follow 10 sentences written in tablets of stone. If we followed the Ten Commandments, we would not be in the mess we're in. Politics will not solve our problems until God changes our hearts, end quote. Well said. And my interview last time with Senator Tim Scott, I loved how he summed it up. He said, it's not a black solution. It's not a white solution. It's not a blue solution. It's a God solution. And that's true. And God has given us the solution to all of our problems right here in the scripture. And they're broken out for us in the Ten Commandments. Now, most people acknowledge that the Ten Commandments are important, that they're true. Very few people know the Ten Commandments. A recent survey revealed that only 14% of Americans could name the Ten Commandments. Let me ask you, uh, can you name the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Maybe you'll do that a little bit later uh, with the folks that you know, but I'm gonna read them for you in just a moment. We know so many other things. For instance, by comparison, a quarter of Americans can name the seven ingredients in a Big Mac Nearly one out of four know the names of all three stooges, and one in three can name all the kids from the Brady Bunch. Really? That's amazing. So we know that the Big Mac has two all-beef patties, but we don't know thou shalt not steal or thou shalt not bear false witness. You might say, well, Greg, it's, it's hard to memorize them. Well, we know other things. What are the names of the Beatles? Well, John, Paul, George, Ringo, of course. Well, you can't memorize one commandment or two or three. I suggest you can memorize all of these commandments, but we need to do more than memorize the commandments. We need to internalize the commandments because they're not obsolete, they're absolute. Let me say that again. The commandments are not obsolete. They're absolute. And if you keep these commandments, you will be a happy person. 
Because Psalm 1 says, blessed or happy is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in it does he meditate day and night. So if I keep these commandments, I'll be a happy person. The commandments are not like the bars of a prison to keep you inside. They're like walls of protection to keep evil out of your life. They're given for your own good so you can go from hopelessness to happiness. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And we're considering the Ten Commandments today as Pastor Greg presents his message called From Hopelessness to Happiness. It's part of a wider series called Water, Fire, Stone about the life of Moses. So let's look at what the commandments have to say to us. Exodus chapter 20, and I'm gonna read quite a few verses with you, so I hope you'll read along. Here we are, commandment number one, Exodus 20, verse two. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, Exodus 20 verse four, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the water under the earth, nor shall you bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity Uh, on the fathers, on the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me and showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Commandment number three. Uh, Exodus 20, verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Commandment number four. Exodus 20, verse eight and nine. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it Holy. Commandment number five, Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord has given you. Commandment number six, you shall not murder. Commandment number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Commandment number eight, Exodus 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. Commandment number nine, Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, or don't lie. And then one final commandment, Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or female servant, nor his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor. So there they are. Those are the 10 commandments. Start working on memorizing them, then start working on internalizing them. So let's start with commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. I read a survey that revealed that 76% of Americans consider themselves completely faithful to the first commandment. Wow, 76%, is that true? Is it true that most Americans have never had another God in the place of the true God? Well, maybe we need to understand what the Bible is saying here. It all starts with the place of God in your life, reason being you will serve what you worship. Remember, Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And Satan said to Jesus, why don't you bow down and worship me? 
And Christ responded, you shall worship the Lord God in him only shall you serve. Interesting, the devil didn't say anything about serving. He just said, give me the momentary pleasure of worshiping me and I'll give you what you've come for because scripture says, Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Effectively, the devil was saying, Jesus, I'll make you a deal you cannot refuse. Bad imitation of the Godfather. I'll give you what you've come for. I know you've come to die on a cross for the sin of the world. I know you've come to purchase back that which was lost in the Garden of Eden. I'll give it to you on a silver platter if you'll just worship me. Jesus says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord God only, in him only shall you serve. The devil said nothing about service, but Jesus did. Why? Because Jesus knows that we will end up serving whatever we worship. If God is number one in your life, everything else will find its proper balance. If God is not number one in your life, everything else will be in chaos. Notice here that God gives them and us the motive for keeping these commandments. Verse two, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. The Lord does not begin by threatening or scaring them. He starts by reminding them of what kind of God he was. A loving, caring God who delivered them from their misery. Basically, the Lord is saying, let's paraphrase, hey, I I took care of you guys. I delivered you from your bondage in Egypt. You were a slave there. Now we hear that and we say, well, that's nice, but I'm not an Israelite who was delivered from bondage in Egypt. Yes, but you were a sinner who was delivered from the bondage of your sin, were you not, if you put your faith in Christ? So the idea here is, think about all that God has done for you, and then as a result, you should want to honor Him in the way that you live. You should want to reciprocate. The Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. So the Lord is saying, hey, I took care of you, Now I want you to keep these commandments. He has certain expectations of us. My love for God should be a response to his love for me. So, you know, we'll say, oh Lord, I love you so much, but effectively we have another God in our life. Or we'll say, Lord, I love you so much, but we'll be breaking his commandments left and right. But listen, here's what the Lord says. Look at Exodus 20, verse six. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now this throws some people. What do you mean he's a jealous God? Is God that insecure that he has to be jealous? And we tend to think of jealousy always in a negative sense. We think of a jealous person as someone who may fly into a rage for the slightest reason, but when the Lord uses this word, I am a jealous God, he means it in a different way. He's showing to the people of Israel that he cares about them. A father who sees the potential of his children. A father who is brokenhearted uh, when these things are not realized or worse, when their lives are wasted. 
He's a father who loves his children and wants the very best for them. That's what it means when the Bible says he's a jealous God. That means he is in charge of your life. You are not in charge of your life. God cares about you. So, you know, we can be a jealous parent. And by being a jealous parent, it means we understand it's our responsibility to take care of our kids. So we'll say, sit up straight, clean up your room, uh, show better manners when you're talking to an adult, uh, do this, don't do that. That is the role of a parent, a parent that wants the best for their child. It's not our position to go to somebody else's child and tell them what to do, but we have a responsibility to tell our own children what to do because we belong to God. Because when we put our faith in Christ, we become children of God. He says, I have certain expectations of you. I have a future for you. I have a wonderful plan for you. And I don't want to share you with anyone or anything else. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important look at the Ten Commandments today and why the Lord has given us those instructions. And there's more to come from this study entitled From Hopelessness to Happiness. That'll be on Monday when Pastor Greg looks at the practical application of the Ten Commandments as he continues this series, Water, Fire, Stone, right here on A New Beginning. If you'd like a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, it is available on a CD from Vision Christian Store. Search From Hopelessness to Happiness at visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-005011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.